we'll just continue on here with uh, what was on my heart for tonight. I've had something on my heart, but I've been thinking the uh, company that we're talking to tonight probably has some very um, well thought out ideas and, and approach to this subject. And I've wondered, Lord, why is this subject on my heart when I think most here are very familiar with it? But we'll continue because the Lord might still use it for blessing. I have two hymns in my Bible, something that's been very much upon my heart over the years. And I'll just read a little bit from the first hymn on the, the front five of the Bible. It's by a brother by the name of Albert Midlane, lived from 1825 to 1909. And I might have shared this before, but it's been something that continues to press on my heart. Thy word, O Lord, thy precious word alone can lead me on. By this until the darksome night be gone, lead thou me on. Thy word is light, thy word is life and power. By it, O oh, guide me in each trying hour. Whate'er my path led by the word, tis good, O oh, lead me on. Be my poor heart thy blessed word's abode, lead thou me on. Thy Holy Spirit gives light to see, and leads me to thy word, close following thee. Led by aught else I tread a devious way, O oh, lead me on. Speak, Lord, and help me ever to obey. Lead thou me on. My every step shall then be well defined, and all I do according to thy mind. So on my heart this evening is to, in what feeble way I might be able to do this, is impress upon us the perfection and the beauty of the word of God. And the ways of God are found in the word of God. And so his ways are perfect. His word is perfect. And I know it's a little difficult sometimes for us to enter into some of the thoughts that are in the scriptures, but it's there. And the word is perfect. I want to start by reading in Samuel. Is it... Uh, 1 Samuel, let's see if I've got it here. Second Samuel, 22, verses 30 and 31. And it says, For by thee I have run through a troop. O oh my God, I have leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. The 
one who had written that had found that the Word of God helped him in all of the trials that he's gone through. And he came to this thought, as for God, his way is perfect. And I know we don't often have things repeated in the Word of God, but if we look in Psalm 15 or 18, I can't remember now, it is repeated there. It must be of some importance. As for God, his way is perfect. So the two things I would like to focus on tonight is his perfect way and also he makes my way perfect. I don't think the perfection of the Word of God can be overemphasized. It has in it everything that we need for every incident that comes before us in our life, especially assembly life. Everything. God has given us an answer. He's given us his word. And the sad thing is, if there are those that cannot see it, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle as to what the will of God is, what the will of God for them might be. If they can't see that the Word of God is perfect, they're going to be not having the confidence that's available to us that we would know that what God says for us is certainly His will for us. If we can see it, then we can certainly say with the psalmist that the Word is a light unto my path. The Word will guide us, it will show us the pathway of God's choosing for us as we wait for his coming again. It's important to keep in mind that the word of God does not lead, need any help from man. Generally, man, if man tries to help something in reference to the word of God, they only take away from it. So the only thing that the word of God demands of us is obedience. And I wouldn't go a little further. I would take a step out in this say, sense and say, there's never a need for us to make a decision. Never a need for an assembly decision. There's never a need for an individual decision. The decisions have all been made. All we need to do is find in the scriptures what God is instructing us to do and do it. He's only asking for obedience. We don't have to decide what's right and wrong. He's already told us. And so I think it's a wonderful thing to see the perfection of the Word of God, and it's up to us to search it out so we can understand just what His directions are in every circumstance we come into. In Colossians chapter 1, We read this. Verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's found in the word of God. And all wisdom. And that's found in the word of God, how to conduct ourselves in a way for the God's pleasure, and 
This third one is something I have not heard spoken about very often. Spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding is simply to be able to detect what the circumstances are and what scriptures truly fit with those circumstances. I don't know about you, but I've often heard the word of God taken out of context, tried to apply to a situation that it really doesn't apply to, and sometimes harm is done by that. So spiritual understanding, you look it up, it has to do with putting it all together. Putting together the circumstances that we are interested in and the word of God to apply properly in those circumstances. Spiritual understanding. It's not a mystical thing. It's a very simple thing. The more we're familiar with the word of God, the more we're familiar with the context that we find in the word of God, the more we'll know which scriptures truly apply towards circumstances. Nothing is left to our imagination. No, we don't have to guess what God is doing. We don't have to guess what direction he's telling us. If we just look into the word of God, it's there, for it is perfect and complete. I know I've mentioned this before, but it's something that I often have in mind when I hear different ones talking about some things from the scriptures. It's impossible to improve on perfection. The Word of God is perfect. And to try to, try to add to it, try to, try to direct people in a different way than the Word of God, it is not adding to perfection. It's taking away from it. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind. The value of the Word of God as it's been given to us by the Spirit of God. Now, there are ways that men would think as to what they need to guide them in understanding what's right and wrong. I think we have in Job's three friends everything that is encompassed in this matter of man's ideas as to what's right and wrong, how to approach different circumstances. Let's just look at them. Job chapter 4. Let's see. I should have marked them here so I could find it quicker. Job chapter 4. We start with one of Job's friends and how he approaches to try to understand what's going on with Job, to try to understand what's right and wrong. Job chapter 4 and verse 1, Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered, and we'll just drop down to what his approach was in verse 8. His approach was this, even as I have seen, he put a lot of weight in observation. Now, in Job chapter 8, we have the second of Job's friends, Bildad. 
Verse 1, then answered Bildad. And we'll drop down to verse 8 again. And it says, For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. For we are but if yesterday and know nothing, but cause our days upon earth are a shadow. Now he says, shall not they teach thee? And that is the things that the former people in the former age have thought would be important. And his approach was, we might say, in, um, <laughs> the word I'm, I'm wanting is called, is inculcation. <laughs> um, we might just say traditions of those that have been established in the past. So that was Bildad. It was the hearing of the ear. What he bases his understanding of right and wrong on. Then in Job 20, we have the third of these friends. Verse 1, then answered Zophar. And Zophar, his approach is found in verse 3. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. In other words, it was his own intuition, things that he's brought up from his own, his own thinking and ways and ideas. Let's see what the Lord thinks about these things. In chapter 42, Job chapter 42, and verse 7, it says, And it was so, that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right. Mm -hmm. Their approach was not according to the mind of God. Now, listen with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. A very familiar portion, I'm sure, to all of us. It says in chapter 2, verse 9, For it is written, I hath not seen. <laughs> now we can say goodbye to Eliphaz and his approach by observation. Then it says, Nor ear heard. So we can say goodbye to Bildad and his traditions. Neither has it entered into the heart of man, so we can say goodbye to Zophar and his intuition. None of those will ever bring us to an understanding of the ways of God. Sad to say, that's very prominent in the world. And sad to say, it's prominent amongst Christians as well. Observation, traditions, intuition, but what does the Word of God say? 
Man thinks he's no, he knows better than God. But man is proved wrong every time if he gets his direction from anything than the Word of God. It's important for Christians to come to the understanding that the natural reasoning of man is never going to draw us into an understanding of the mind of God. So we set aside man's failing approach to things. We want to establish the perfection of God's ways. So reading on there in 1 uh, Corinthians, in verse 10, we find the answer, the key to entering into what really is God's mind and the perfection find in, found in his word. God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now again, I want to repeat, this is not some mystical approach to things. The Spirit of God has caused a number of individuals to write down the mind of God found in the Word of God. The Spirit of God leads us through the Word of God. We are to try the spirits to test which ones of God and which not. And the way we do that is we take the Word of God, knowing that is from the Spirit of God, and if something is said that's different than that, we know to leave it alone. And we find if something is said that is according to what is the Word of God, that we can have some confidence in that. Job learned his lesson. In chapter 42, again, I think we have something of great importance as to what Job had to learn. And if I understand what I've read in the scriptures are right, many people had to learn the same lesson. In chapter 42, in verse 6, it says there about Job, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. In New Testament terms, it is that we find in me, that is in myself, dwells no good thing. It's a lesson that I'm convinced every servant of God that is going to serve in the best of his ability has to come to that conclusion. Every one of them. We find that uh, Joseph had to come to that conclusion. Moses had to come to that conclusion. Peter had to come to that conclusion. Paul had to come to that conclusion. John had to come to that conclusion. And I'm convinced every one of us, oh, we might be serving the Lord in a certain way, but it'll never be to the fullest of what he desires from us until we get ourselves out of the picture. In me, that is in myself, dwells no good thing. First Corinthians chapter 2. And let's see, I don't want to read the whole thing, but there's much there. Chapter 2, 
It starts off, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech by my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And the chapter ends like this. In verse 14, it says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Again, I need to repeat this that this is not some mystical approach to thing. It's very practical and very simple. The Spirit of God gives us the instructions we need in the Word of God. The spiritual man is one who sets his own will aside and submits himself to the guidance of the Spirit as found in the Word of God. It's not a mystical thing. It's not someone getting some flash of lightning and some idea that he and is not found in the Word of God. I'm afraid of those kind of things because the Word of God is perfect and it gives us everything that we need. And so, the spiritual man, not a mystical thing, we can all be spiritual people by leaving our will go, getting out of the way. In me dwells no good thing, but all the good is found in Christ. And all of the things that we need, it's found in the Word of God. It's a wonderful thing. If we can come to that conclusion, I don't claim I have, but I believe that that is the answer to our entering in to all the blessings that God intends for us and to be able to serve the Lord in the greatest capacity for his glory and for the blessing of his people. Now, we find that the Spirit speaks to us all through the Word of God. But I think we'll remember in Revelation, there are seven times it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. So we can say, if we can learn by taking heed to what the Spirit says, we can understand the perfection of the Word of God. It's found in His Word. And He can make our way perfect. Again, if we submit ourselves to his perfect ways, and I'm repeating myself, it's impossible to improve on perfection. Now, I know that uh, somebody has a hymn to close with here, but I'm going to read another hymn. It's at the back of my Bible, on the back page. <laughs> I've glued it in there. These are things that have spoken to my heart. The Word of God must have its place. And it's perfect. So anything new is only going to take away from the Word of God. So I heard about the revival in the Hebrides. Oh, I can't remember what year it was. And early 1900s. Two dear, dear sisters, thinking they're the only Christians in the community. Older ladies, they can hardly walk. They get together and they pray about the needs of the community. 
And eventually there was a man by the name of Duncan Campbell. And he was, uh, he was a preacher and he moved into the area. And so the three of them were praying together. And he suggests, let's, let's just open this up. We'll, we'll announce we're going to have a gospel meeting. We'll see what the Lord does. People were saved that night. Thought, we'll have another meeting. They told their friends. And they brought friends the next night. And there are more people saved and more people saved. And this hymn is a picture of what happened there in that, in that little community, the result of two elderly sisters getting on their knees and praying together for blessing. Oh, how well I remember in the old-fashioned days when some old-fashioned people had some old-fashioned ways. In the old-fashioned meeting, as they tarried there, in the old-fashioned manner, God answered their prayer. There's a chorus. I'll read that at the end. There was singing, much singing in those old-fashioned airs. There was power, much power in those old-fashioned prayers. An old-fashioned conviction made a sinner pray, and the Lord heard and saved him in the old-fashioned way. Well, they say it is better. Things have changed, don't you know? And the people in general think it to be so. And they call me old-fashioned when I dare to say I like it far better in the old-fashioned way. If the Lord never changes as the fashions of men, he's always the same. Why, he's old-fashioned then. An old-fashioned sinner saved through old-time grace Oh, I'm sure he will take me to an old-fashioned place. T'was an old-fashioned meeting in an old-fashioned place where some old-fashioned people had some old-fashioned grace. As an old-fashioned sinner, I began to pray. And God heard me and saved me in that old-fashioned way. Have a prayer. Our God and Father, we thank thee for the little time we've had this evening, bringing before the throne of grace the things that are upon our heart and being reminded of the perfection of the Word of God. And Jesus never changes, and the Word never changes, and it's the same for us as it was for people over the last 2,000 years. What a wonderful thing. Perfection cannot be improved upon. And so we thank thee for this time and ask thy blessing for each one here in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.